0: Hey, you guys know my wife, Robin McGraw, has Robin McGraw Revelation, which is a great skincare product, and one of hers is called Let There Be Bright. This is a triple action brightening serum. It brightens the complexion and even skin tone with this seriously fast-acting serum that combines Lumaskin, lactic acid, and vitamin C. It's RobinMcGrawRevelation.com. That's the only place you can get it. And right now, you get 30% off all products. Just use code RMR30. RMR30. The news is sweeping international headlines. 17-year-old Tylee and her little brother, 7-year-old JJ, have not been seen since September of 2019, and no one knows where they are. No one, except their mother, Lori Vallow, that is. Finally, police went to speak to their guardians, Lori, and her new husband, Chad Daybell, to get to the bottom of this. But when police returned to their family home after being fed suspicious misinformation about the children's whereabouts, they discovered Lori and Chad were gone. Within months, Lori and Chad have become the center of a case that is the very definition of a twisted web. This investigation involves not only missing children, but a purported cult an alleged murder. On this episode, I'll tell you what the grandparents Kay and Larry had to say about their missing grandson and what they think happened. We'll also uncover more about Lori's strange behavior in the time leading up to the children's disappearance. And when I say strange, I mean strange. And also, investigators are not so sure that Chad and Lori's significant others just coincidentally met their untimely deaths. You're listening to A Mother's Secret, the Lori Vallow Story. Mystery and Murder, analysis by Dr. Phil. I'm Dr. Phil. The search for these children had intensified. Their extended family, especially their grandparents, wanted to know where they were and what might have happened to them. The only people who didn't seem concerned were their mother, Lori, and her new husband, Chad. The very next day, after police had gone to Lori's condo for that welfare check, not only was Lori gone without a trace, She had also taken her personal belongings with her. This didn't seem like a woman who had popped out to run an errand. Her things were gone. It seemed like she had been caught red-handed and now was going on the lam. Remember, she told them the children were in Arizona. She even said where. But when police showed up to check, They weren't there, and they hadn't been there. She clearly lied to get them off her front porch, and when they were gone, she was not far behind. But where had she gone? Where had she run? Police and the children's extended family were more suspicious than ever that something unspeakable had happened to these two innocent children. Actions speak louder than words. Put yourself in Lori's shoes. If you're an innocent mother with nothing to hide and your two children had suddenly vanished, would you choose to run off somewhere and evade police? Of course not. You would be boots on the ground, working non-stop around the clock to help police and pleading with anyone who would listen to help you find your children. But not Lori. Instead, this case was growing more bizarre by the minute. It might have started in small-town Rexburg, Idaho, but it was now a multi-state case with several moving parts. And it was becoming clear as crystal that this mom had a lot going on under the surface. Her family told me, beneath her polished, bubbly, Barbie doll mom veneer, she had become a woman with haunting thoughts. Thoughts of the world coming to an end. A world filled with such evil that she was looking forward to its demise and to her next chapter. I have to take a pause here and tell you that I have talked to a lot of people that are focused on the end of the world. Many of them are not just prophesying that the world is going to come to an end. They pray for its end because they think the world is so full of evil that it is time for man's damnation, that it is not a world that should continue on. And that psychological dynamic, that emotional motivation is really haunting me as I speak to you right now. And I'll tell you why. If this mother actually believes that, and her beliefs are many and complex, But if she actually believes that the world is that horrible of a place, could she justify saving her children from growing up in this worldly hell? If she thinks it's so evil, so bad, so potentially painful, could she convince herself that taking her children's lives would be expediting their escape from a fate much worse than death. I have to tell you, that's a tape running in the back of my head like a radio playing really low, but it's always there. As for her... She seems anxious to move on to this next chapter, and it seems that she has not written a part in that for her children. Her lack of help in the case was definitely alarming to police. At only seven years old, JJ is on the autism spectrum and has special needs. The fact that these parents had just up and fled put officers on high alert. Perhaps if Lori and Chad had at least pretended to help investigators, the case would have remained in that tiny Pacific Northwest town. But their lack of cooperation and their seeming lack of care was about to blow this case out of the water. When I watched her on the news, when I studied her demeanor, I have to tell you, I saw commonalities with family annihilator Chris Watts. Commonalities with Casey Anthony. Cases that I worked and was deeply involved in. When you've been doing this as many years as I have, when you've worked with law enforcement as much as I have, you begin to see threads of commonality among people that do acts that are just beyond the pale, that we just don't have the capacity to comprehend. And when I see that coupled with what I just said about her believing this world is perhaps just not worthy of being in. I really am getting a tight feeling in my stomach. I'm just thinking out loud with you as we progress through this. You know, this is called Mystery and Murder, Analysis by Dr. Phil. This is a mystery. I think it has murder. And I'm just giving you my analysis. By December 20th, police issued a statement that immediately alerted the public that something nefarious was very likely going on. They put out a press release asking the public for help in locating these children, while at the same time making it known that attempts to obtain the cooperation of Lori in locating the children have been unsuccessful. This got the media talking very quickly. It was unthinkable to see the images of those cherub-looking children and to know that their mother was not cooperating. It's no surprise this case has become an international source of fascination. Let's face it. This case is considered gold for any armchair detective. There are so many dramatic elements in play. But between new details on Chad and Lori's alleged cult involvement and two dead spouses, it's important for us to remember, we're not working a puzzle here. This is not a Rubik's Cube. This is a real-life investigation looking for two very real children. And police are treating it just that way. They are moving full steam ahead with this investigation with the goal of finding those children. Ten days after their first press release on December 30th of 2019, Rexburg police publicly stated that they had information that strongly indicated that Lori either knew the location of her children or knew what had happened to them. But, they added... She has refused to work with law enforcement to help us in this manner. One of the loudest voices in the search for JJ and Tylee are JJ's grandparents, Larry and Kay Woodcock. They traveled to Idaho to meet with investigators. Remember, it was Larry and Kay who had sounded the alarm on Lori and her enigmatic new husband, Chad, in the first place. Many things were worrying Larry and Kay before it was established that the kids were in fact missing. First of all, Lori never even bothered to inform them that she had up and taken the children to a new home in Idaho. Why would she do that? And secondly, they hadn't talked to little JJ in months and not for a lack of trying. Of course, the way they usually reached JJ was through his mom, Lori, but for some reason, she had stopped returning their numerous texts, voicemails, and emails. Like a ghost, she had just faded from their lives, and she seemed to have taken their beloved grandson with her. At least they hoped That's what she had done. But the last time they had been able to FaceTime with JJ, his odd behavior worried them. He didn't seem like his friendly self. Kay recalled feeling like her grandson had been coached and that their conversation felt scripted. This was back in August. It was a very brief call, essentially a high and bye conversation. The grandparents felt in their gut that something was off. They could see JJ looking around, seemingly being guided by an off-camera presence. Just very odd, it stood out from all their other conversations that they had had with him. The only reason Kay even knew her grandson was in Idaho was because she had gotten into her now-deceased brother, Charles, email and had seen an Amazon delivery was going to an address in Rexburg. Why was she being made to investigate the whereabouts of her own grandson? And understand, there hadn't been a falling out. Lori and Kay hadn't had a problem. I was really anxious to talk to these people. And I've got to tell you, when I sat down with them, these are good people. And they love this grandson. My heart just went out to them. I mean, I'm a grandfather. How could it not? They're living in a nightmare. You were concerned about the safety of JJ because people start turning up dead. And there's crazy talk going on, right? This is troubling to you because you can't be there to run interference, right?
1: That is correct. JJ is, is our soul and our heart. And it, when, when the emphasis was on the murders, Uh, all three of them. And we kept asking, where's the kids? Where's JJ? Where's Tylee? Where is Bailey? What can we do to heighten the awareness? Everybody said they would get right back with us.
0: You see what I mean? just heartbreaking. Their pain is palpable, and these grandparents that are, as far as I'm concerned, the unsung heroes of this story, without them, this search may not have ever started, or certainly would have been delayed. I asked him if they had a message for Lori. Here's what Larry had to say.
1: I don't have anything to say to Lori right now, but I have something to say to Chad? Chad? Man up, son. It is time for you to have a talk with your wife and end this. Find
0: those kids. Powerful words from one man to another. From a grandfather going through unspeakable pain. Imagine how you would feel if someone you had known forever was suddenly acting this way. Many who knew Lori before all of her doomsday talk took center stage couldn't believe these things were happening. We've talked about the type of mother they say Lori was, and they said she was a great mom. But what we're hearing about now is a very different Lori. However, signs that something was off with her had been there along the way. For instance, Charles' ex-wife Cheryl had never really taken a liking to her. She had even told her sons that she didn't want them alone with her. Now, you don't expect ex-wives to buddy up to current wives, but you seldom hear them tell their children Don't be alone with that woman. She just instinctively did not trust her, and maybe for good reason. While Lori was known as being many things beautiful, charismatic, outgoing an honest Abe just was not one of those characteristics. More and more, she was frequently getting caught in lies that just made no sense. Kay and Larry began to think that she was a pathological liar. She was saying all kinds of things that could be easily discovered as mistruths. For example, she was telling people teenage Tylee was enrolled in Idaho's Brigham Young University in Idaho. She was not. Was it a cover for where Tylee actually was? Was saying she was off at college a convenient excuse for Lori? As I said in our first episode, I spoke to her own son, Colby. And like Kay and Larry, this is a really good guy. For all we're saying about Lori, there had to be some time in her life that she did some things right because somebody raised this young man in the right way because he is an impressive look you in the eye straight shooting young man and once the investigation kicked off he told me that he knew the stories and explanations she was feeding him did not pass muster The day before Thanksgiving, two detectives knocked on my door and they asked me, you know, do you know where Tylee is? Do you know where JJ is? Immediately, it was panic. I called my mom and asked her why the detectives were looking for the kids. And she basically just said, I got it. You know, I'll take care of it. I love you. Don't worry about it. Colby knew that his mom was just placating him. The whole thing didn't make any sense. Even more disturbing was what she had told some acquaintances outside the family about J.J. She had told certain people that he had died two years ago. Now, that's just downright chilling for a mother to be telling people that her son is already dead and has been for years, and then he goes missing. Who does that? Who lies about things like that? Well, I'll tell you. A pathological liar who has absolutely no empathy whatsoever. Liars often define relationships at a very superficial level. They rely on charm. They rely on the gift of gab. And Lori Had those characteristics in spades. Those compelled to constantly lie show up in certain personality disorders, such as narcissism, borderline personality disorder, or antisocial personality disorders. Other personality traits in a pathological liar are impulsivity. And this one rings a giant bell when it comes to Lori. For one thing, she's moving her children here, there, and everywhere, just based on her desires. They're being dragged around by her, and she seems to move on a whim, She's been married multiple times. It could be argued she's quite impulsive when it comes to love and relationships. She's easily drawn in and becomes dependent on these men. Look how quickly she wrapped up in Chad and his beliefs and then married him. Selfishness is a characteristic. Her blatant lies and suspicious behaviors, they just always seem to be self-serving, don't they? so she can do what's best for her. These children certainly don't seem to be a factor that's taken into account. They're often controlling and compulsive in their behaviors. Her relationship with her brother Alex seems controlling. He's under her thumb, apparently doing her bidding. And I have to wonder if she actually recruited him to murder her husband. Then when it comes to her kids, she's the one in control of their lives. Obviously, a mother is. But you expect a mother to take the children's interest into consideration. Mm, This just doesn't seem to hit her radar screen. Now between Lori and Chad, we have two deceased spouses, and now her two children are gone without a trace. That's four pieces off the board. And somehow in the midst of all this death and intrigue, Lori and Chad are giving police the runaround like it's some sick game of where in the USA is Carmen San Diego. The fact that they were remaining tight lipped and out of sight was only heightening the fear in people like Kay and Larry, and even Colby. He's getting very suspicious of his own mother. And anyone else that knew these children that had encountered them intersected their lives. They desperately wanted Tylee and J.J. found. So people started going over details again and again and again, and it made them think of what could possibly be the motive for Lori to allegedly want these children dead or out of sight. Now, those in Lori's circle couldn't help but notice that once she met and connected with Chad, it was almost like she had blinders on. She was very tunnel visioned. He was her singular focus. He was not only her husband, in her eyes, but a holy man, a revered prophet who she believed held the answers to humanity's salvation in the face of the world's collapse. Well, a lot of responsibility there, Chad. Those who knew her said she was in awe of him. Her sparkling blue eyes gleamed when she spoke about his wisdom. Remember, Chad espoused the world was quickly approaching a cataclysmic end. Was this the reason? These children were now missing? While a stable person might find this reason sinister, was it possible that Lori, truly believing with all of her heart and soul, that the world was ending? As I said earlier might have cut their lives short to save them from the reckoning. It's an eerie and unsettling thought to say the least, but it's a potential theory that from a forensic psychological standpoint, you have to analyze this mother and you have to list this as a potential motivation. I also sat down and talked to Tylee's aunt, Annie. She recalled Lori talking about, quote, the inevitable end of the world, close quote. As far as others knew, these thoughts hadn't entered her mind until she began doing that doomsday podcast with Chad and becoming enthralled with his radical doctrine. But now she was saying she feared that the end of the world remember she said it was undoubtedly happening July 22nd, 2020, would be frightening and filled with strife. Let's take a listen to just some of the disturbing thoughts Lori shared with Annie. It was like she
1: was trying to alert me, like, you know, like that, that there was some kind of imminent danger. And she wanted me to know that these times were going to be really scary. And she thinks, you know, because of how scary it'd be, it would be better just to just put the kids in the car and go off the side of a cliff. And so that was, um, that was, you know, uh, sorry, that was a hard line that, that had been crossed. And, you know, she's, she saw the just look of Horror, you know, and she immediately started walking it back, you know, and just like, oh, I'm, I'm totally kidding. You know, I'd never hurt my kids and that kind of thing. But, you know, there was just no walking back.
0: Now, seems to me that that's not something you joke about. She says it maybe be better to just put the children in a car and drive off a cliff. And says, oh, you know, I'm just totally kidding. Yeah, ha ha. Yeah, that's really funny. Come on. That's just not the kind of thing you sit around and talk about. Proposed suicide, possible filicide. It indicates highly delusional and dangerous thinking. She was presenting this as a possibility, this altruistic killing that I talked about earlier. When you're dealing with somebody that sees themselves as some kind of messiah, some kind of hero, then they start making these sort of pronouncements. And with her narcissistic personality traits and qualities, she would figure things out in such a way that she comes out a hero, that she's doing a good thing. Sadly, there is research that tell us that men typically kill the entire family, and mothers typically kill their children, and sometimes themselves, but not their husbands. Some experts believe that this is because men tend to think of their wife and children with a sense of ownership, while women don't tend to think in the same way. Lori was arguably experiencing religious delusions. She was so far gone down the rabbit hole that she had lost her grip on reality. When someone loses their footing in reality, they justify doing things that sane, stable people would just never dream of doing, like allegedly killing or hiding their children because of their extreme beliefs. And when you lose your footing in a religious may, it can turn in to what's called religiosity. And if there's psychotic thinking involved, people can become religious zealots in a way that they feel anointed. If somebody loses touch with reality, In almost any other part of life, you don't see the things that you see if somebody loses their ability to separate reality from fantasy in a religious scenario. Because in the religious scenario, they claim the moral high ground and think they're doing God's work that makes them very dangerous. And still in the back of my mind, I'm just worrying, is she telling herself, this is a mercy killing? This is a mercy killing. I don't know that. Can't prove that. I'm just telling you, I've written it on the chalkboard of my mind. Mystery and Murder, analysis by Dr. Phil. Hey, you know, we're coming into springtime and it looks like we're going to have a lot of time sitting around home, so shopping online is the smart play. You can give yourself a springtime spruce up and enjoy brighter, healthier skin thanks to my wife, Robin McGraw's Revelations Brightening Trio. This unique triple action skin brightening kit will help you shine bright all day, every day by eliminating sunspots, rejuvenating dull skin, and restoring your youthful glow. This trio features Let There Be Bright, Starlight Face Bright, and Twinkle Twinkle, You're a Star. And you can only get them at RobinMcGrawRevelation.com. And right now, you get 30% off all products. 30% off all products. Just use code RMR30. RMR30. Before we get back to the story we're talking about today, I want to share something with you. You're about to enjoy a trailer of what's coming up on Dr. Phil for the rest of the month of May. I've made a decision that we've all reached saturation levels, what I call category fatigue. We have been looking and listening and thinking about coronavirus and COVID-19 24-7 for about six weeks now. And I am of the strong belief that we need a break. Let's get back to some of the content that we really find interesting, entertaining, educational, relatable, informative, and instructive. And right before we got shut down for the pandemic, we had just taped a series of shows that we had compiled to air in May. That's a time that we save some of our favorite best shows for, because that's an important time for our advertisers. So I've made the decision for the remainder of this month, we're going to do a look back and show all new original shows that were shot before the pandemic. They're back on stage, back in studio, exciting, full of energy, and really, really good shows. Here's a peek at what you're going to see for the rest of the month of May.
1: All this May. Dr. Phil is back with all new shows, recorded before the stay-at-home order. I was an actor, a model, a Hollywood body double. A mysterious illness. If I don't force-feed myself, my body will go into an attack.
0: She feels atomic hunger and feels as if she's being electrocuted. All new drama. You've been putting men ahead of her for a long time. You have been doing nothing but criminal activities. Am I gonna pack her off somewhere for 90 days so you can take a break? Hell no. All new stories. 74-year-old Norma says she's in love with three different men. She's never even met in person. She says they are stuck in foreign countries. The grand total that you have sent to Jeff is $223,710.56. I was trying to help him get home. For a quarter million dollars, you could buy an airplane and fly home.
1: Dr. Phil is all new. All this May.
0: But it sure seemed like she was doing everything in her power to disconnect from her children and former life and draw herself closer to Chad and their, quote, cause. And on the other hand, her reasons for allegedly wanting her children out of the picture might not have been because she was worried about their poor souls potentially suffering. There are some who think she just wanted them out of the way that these children who were once her son that she revolved around were now an albatross around her neck, preventing her from beginning a new life and a new mission with her new husband. They were the last threads tethering her to her old life, a life she wanted to be rid of. According to Kay and Larry, when Charles was still alive, Lori had told him that was done. Lori had told him that she was done with JJ. JJ is known as a loving, sweet boy, but she allegedly couldn't deal with the additional care he required due to his autism. If valid, this is a crushing statement. A mother who was once regarded as so loving and doting, suddenly becoming so heartless, tells you that she has gone off the rails She has lost her reference place in her emotions and in her thinking. Now, clearly, there was a time in this woman's life where she had a value system. She had things that meant something to her, values that she lived by, and now She's traded those values in for something else. And it seems that she's traded those values in for a new set of values that are being espoused by this Chad. I need to add something else to the analysis here. And I bring this up because when we talk about the fact that she wanted a new life, a new mission, a new husband. Any rational person would say, "Then get a divorce." That's what people say about family annihilators. That's what people said about Chris Watts when he came home and killed pregnant Shannon and his two precious little girls. And it's very clear that he was deeply involved with his mistress, and he wanted a fresh start. People say, well, then get a divorce. As bad as it is to abandon your children and your wife, that is exponentially better than murdering them. But we're not inside Chris Watt's head. And as I break down and analyze people that want fresh starts, and think the way to get that is to wipe the slate clean, hit the delete button on their history, they feel like they really do get a new identity, get a new start. So they don't have the burden, the ties, and they don't have any baggage, which makes them a lot more attractive to a new partner. They don't have a young autistic son that comes with the deal, so they feel like they're a lot more socially marketable. Is this what she was thinking? You have to consider that. And when I look at Chad, I have to tell you, so many of these crusaders So many of these cult-like figures, and again, I'm not saying he's leading a cult. I'm just saying so many of these people that set themselves up to be above everyone and be followed with such zeal turn out to be con men and... This guy has written 27 books that he's published himself. And so I have to wonder, is this whole thing a money-making scheme? Does he believe anything that he's saying? Does she believe anything that he's saying? Are the two of them now running some kind of religious game and laughing all the way to the bank? I have no idea, but I'm just telling you, that in the 45 years plus that I've been doing this, from Jim to Tammy Faye Baker to every kind of healer, these folks seem to come crashing down, but their pockets are full. So we don't know about him right now, but we do know about her, and her actions certainly make it seem like she has no problem cutting people off when they become inconvenient to her. And it wasn't just people she could do this to without guilt. Back when the family lived in Phoenix, Charles had reached out to a trainer and gotten an adorable golden doodle named Bailey for JJ. Bailey served as a service animal for him, and by all accounts, he truly adored that dog and was always with him. The trainer said the family told him that J.J. began sleeping through the night in his own bed because Bailey was there. Studies show that dogs have an incredible effect on children with autism. Interacting with a dog can help children with autism increase their confidence as well as improve their social skills. Dogs don't judge them. They don't feel like they have to perform for the dog. This dog had become a major part of this child's life. It gave the child an opportunity to show affection without fear of rejection. It just was a place for JJ to grow and feel so much warmth and acceptance. It was just a wonderful thing to come into his life, and it just lit him up when Bailey was there, which was almost always. He just loved that dog. So it just didn't make sense to anyone when Lori, out of the blue, attempted to get rid of Bailey. Two months after Charles' deadly shooting, Lori put an ad in the local paper offering to sell Bailey for $2,500. Can you imagine doing such a thing to your child? This was like JJ's best friend. This was like JJ's only friend. This was his security blanket. Luckily, the trainer got in touch with Lori and found the dog another home with a child with autism, and luckily the transition was smooth for the dog. All Lori had told him was that a tragedy had happened and that the family was moving to Idaho. She did not mention that the tragedy was that her husband, Charles, had possibly been murdered by her brother, Alex first of all, the only reason Lori wanted to move to Idaho was to be near her new squeeze, Chad. It had nothing to do with Charles' death. It had nothing to do with the tragedy. If you remember, she had a pool party the day he was shot and killed. Secondly, as a mother, if your son's father had been shot by your brother and now you're abruptly moving him away from his home, wouldn't you make every effort to keep his best friend and service animal with him? This is not just thoughtless. This is punitive. This is cruel. Unless you're not going to need the dog. Meanwhile, let's get back to Chad Daybell for a moment here, whose behavior was just as perplexing as Lori's. Let's not forget, right after his wife Tammy died in her sleep, Chad had embarked on a whirlwind romance with Lori and married her in Hawaii. Tammy may have had a speedy funeral and memorial service, but investigators weren't quite yet ready to let this case rest in peace. Locals who knew Chad just couldn't believe he could have anything to do with his beloved wife's death. She had been a beloved school librarian. These two had been attached at the hip ever since they met in college. However, it was a sudden death, and lest we forget, she had not exhibited any signs of a pre existing condition. Now, people can die suddenly. They can have heart attacks, they can throw a pulmonary embolus. A lot of things can happen that don't give red flags, but it seemed as though she had conveniently dropped dead just in time for Chad and Lori's Hawaiian wedding. There was also a detail that was red flag central to investigators who were looking into Tammy's unexpected passing. Chad had not seemed at all curious about how his wife had died. Your wife of decades, the mother of your five children, suddenly dies? And you're not curious as to what happened? Not only that, Chad wasn't exactly eager for an autopsy to be performed. According to local reporters, his attitude was that the family had been through so much grief already that they didn't need the added sadness of having her exhumed and having a coroner poke and prod her body. Of course, when you look at this in the context of the other untimely death and two missing children, then this death. Well, it just takes on added significance, and autopsy is the only true way to learn if this death was natural, as Chad claims. The sooner you do it, the more you're going to learn, and there are a number of reasons at this stage that it seems to me that an autopsy makes sense here. In criminal cases, the autopsy, the science, the ability that we have in this day and time can just absolutely make or break a criminal case. I did an interview with Michael Peterson, a.k.a. the Staircase Killer, and while he still maintains his innocence, an autopsy of his former family friend, Elizabeth Ratliff, roughly 20 years after her death uh, certainly pointed to his guilt. So even though it was 20 years on, there's oftentimes information there that you just wouldn't think would be available. When it came to Tammy's death, in Chad's words, it must have been her time to go. Well, Was it her time to go, or was that something Chad had decided so he could be with Lori? Well, ultimately, her body was exhumed, and the results from her autopsy are still pending. Her death is very much under investigation at this point. Lori wasn't exactly off the hook when it came to her spouse's death, either. In fact, investigators were looking into that case as well. We know Charles feared for his life because it was common knowledge and put into court documents that Lori had threatened him. There was also, as it turned out, potentially something even more appealing to Lori than promoting her religious beliefs and moving on with a new man. You can guess what it is. Money. M-O-N-E-Y, money. Charles had a $1 million life insurance policy. They were separated but still legally married when Alex shot and killed him. So Lori believed that cash would still be hers. Imagine her surprise. When the day after his death, maybe her hair was still wet from the pool party, she reached out to the insurance company only to find out that he had changed his will to name his sister Kay as the sole beneficiary. This incensed Lori like you cannot believe, and she texted Kay in a huff seemingly incredulous that with five children and a wife, he would choose not to leave them a red scent. Charles most likely did this because he knew he had a target on his back or perhaps on his chest. And in this instance, he just could not let Lori win. I asked Tylee's aunt, Annie, if that lack of insurance money could have been a motive in the children's disappearance. Now, you think this could be insurance-driven, money-driven?
1: Absolutely. My opinion is it just seems to me that once Lori found out after Charles was killed that she had been removed as the sole beneficiary of his $1 million policy. I I just think she hit the panic button and everything just kind of hit the fan because now she was out of a, a meal ticket as well as the insurance money.
0: He knew that Kay would do everything in her power to protect his children and would provide them with money for care. But Kay could only do so much. She was now up against two people who seemed to be willing to stop at nothing on their doomsday mission. And they didn't seem to care who they trampled and destroyed in the process. It was a race against time. Where were they? And more importantly, where were these children? Were they safe? Were they alive? On our next episode, we'll go into even more of the details that continue to emerge about Lori and Chad's incriminating behavior. As the desperation to find her missing children escalates, there's yet another bombshell death of a close person to Lori and Chad's circle. The unexpected death of someone Lori had relied on for years. The hits just keep on coming. This was A Mother's Secret The Lori Vallow Story Mystery and Murder Analysis by Dr. Phil I'm Dr. Phil. All this May... Dr. Phil is back with all new shows,
1: recorded before the stay-at-home order. I was an actor, a model, a Hollywood body double. A mysterious illness. If I don't force feed myself, my body
0: will go into an attack. She feels atomic hunger and feels as if she's being electrocuted. All new drama. You've been putting men ahead of her for a long time. You have been doing nothing but criminal activities. Am I gonna pack her off somewhere for 90 days so you can take a break? Hell no all-new
1: stories.
0: 74-year-old Norma says she's in love with three different men she's never even met in person. She says they are stuck in foreign countries. The grand total that you have sent to Jeff is $223,710.56. I was trying to help him get home. For a quarter million dollars, you could buy an airplane and fly home. Dr. Phil is all-new. All this May.